Time Podcast. For those that may be listening for the first time, our podcast is an offshoot from our main platform, YouTube. Our channel is called Coffee and Bible Time, where our goal is to help people delight in God's Word. We also have a website and storefront with Bible studies, prayer journals, courses, and more. I'm Mentor Mama, and today we're going to be talking about making sense of what feels senseless in processing grief and navigating the loss of a loved one. For those of us that have experienced a major loss of a loved one, we know all too well the gripping sorrow, the doubts, and the questions that can come from grief. And if we don't seek help in processing that loss, we can very easily get stuck there. Well, our guest today, Danita Janae, author of the book, When Mountains Crumble, Rebuilding Life After Losing Someone You Love, is a survivor of great loss herself. And she is here to tell her story and provide hope to those who are wrestling with the pain of grief. Danita wants to help lighten your load of sorrow through her own journey of healing. But first, a word from our sponsor. Hey, Mentor Mama here. At Coffee and Bible Time, we recommend you introduce Jesus to your kids as early as possible. That's why we're partnering with the Talking Jesus Doll. The Talking Jesus doll is so cute and made of the softest, snuggliest material. And you guessed it, he talks. When you squeeze his hand, he speaks 10 phrases that Jesus said in the Bible, from the Lord's Prayer to John 3.16 and everything in between. It's so important to introduce children to the love and lessons of Jesus in their formative years. I love this product and so does everyone else. The Talking Jesus doll is loved by families on four continents and has hundreds of five-star amazing reviews. Kids are learning Bible verses and even using the doll to minister to others. So if you have kids, grandkids, nieces, or nephews, this is the perfect birthday, Easter, or Christmas gift. Go to JesusDoll.com and use promo code CBTDOLL to get 10% off your purchase. That's JesusDoll.com, promo code C-B-T-D-O-L-L to get 10% off your purchase. Danita Janae is a young mom and recent military widow learning to carry both joy and sorrow in the same breath. As an author, speaker, poet, and artist, she walks alongside the brokenhearted, offering practical and creative ways to lead a spirit-led life. Please welcome Danita. Hi, glad to be here today. (laughs) Oh, I'm so happy to have you here today, Danita. And I just, I just want to applaud your courage and your willingness just to be authentic about your, your story and what you've experienced um, is just helping so many people. So thank you so much for being here today. Why don't you just start out by telling us a little bit about your story and why you wrote the book? 
Sure. Um, we are a military family. Um, we have two little girls and uh, we had actually been through quite a lot of crazy trials and suffering um, all kinds of stuff. We couldn't find a home for many months when we first moved to Florida. I had postpartum depression and a nine month old and we could not find a home. <laughs> so we ended up living in like seven different places in six months. Ooh. And um, it was nutty. And then we moved uh, to Nebraska and my health tanked. And but this was like my third health crisis at this point in my life. And mm-hmm. again, nine month old, postpartum depression, all kinds of stuff. Um, but my health was so bad that I couldn't lift my laundry basket. I couldn't do my dishes. Mm-hmm. And I just learned an incredible level of relying on God um, that we wouldn't have learned otherwise. During that time, my husband and I learned to fast and pray. He, um, his name is Dan. He is an amazing man of God, just seriously more like Jesus than anyone I've ever met. Um, Just a remarkable guy. And so during that time, we learned to fast and pray on a whole new level and God healed me. Um, Then we moved to Colorado. And just uh, a couple weeks after we were in town, we were hiking and I was like, oh my gosh, like I'm alive. Like we didn't think I was going to make it at that point. I was like, I'm alive. We're hiking together. Like this is amazing. Mm -hmm. And um, it was just another few weeks after that, after coming to town and after that hike that um, my husband, who was a huge 14er hiker, did all the mountains over 14,000 feet. Not all of them. He was on his way to do all of them and he had Mm -hmm. done over half. Wow. Um, yeah. So it was his thing and he loved, that's where he met with the Lord. And, um, unfortunately he went on a hike one day and went missing for six days. And then, um, we didn't, when we did find him, he wasn't alive. So that was the longest six days of my life. Yeah. We just talk about that's how that's the day when our mountains crumbled for us. It felt literal. Um, but I think it feels that way for anyone who loses like the rock of their family. It feels like everything that you knew should be stable is all of a sudden to pieces. So that was where the heart of this book came from was just, um, there's a verse in Isaiah that promises that even when the mountains fall apart, um, God's love will never fall apart on us. And so, um, just kind of coming from this place of being honest with the Lord and giving people permission to ask those hard questions, the whys, the doubts, um, the huge emotions, and um, just a safe place for people to process that. Is what this book, this book is for. Oh. You know, Dan. He sounded like an amazing, amazing man, and that you had the opportunity to share your life with him. You know, um, one of the things that you talk about is that the loss of a loved one often changes our relationships with family and others and, and your relationship with God too. Can you share a little bit about how that happened in your life? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the, the thing that surprised me was, God felt so close and I felt like I could hear his voice and um, it just felt easy. Even though I was suffering and struggling all those years prior, I just felt like I could hear him. And then when Dan died, 
I was like, why are you quiet on me now? Like, Mm. where did you go? Did you ditch me too? Did you abandon me? And, um, I just remember he got so quiet and that was hard for me. Um, and it took me several months before I was like, okay, just because he's quiet doesn't mean he abandoned ship. Like he's still here. Mm-hmm. He's just quiet. And the more I thought about it, I was like, you know, <laughs> when people are grieving. They don't need a servant. They don't need someone to be, you know, they don't need all of this talking. They really just need your presence. And yeah. it took me quite a while to be like, okay, the Lord knew what I needed most was his presence his quietness made me think he wasn't present, but I finally was like, okay, a switch flipped. And I was like, you know, he's really, he knows how to comfort us better than anyone. And he knew that he just needed to be a quiet presence for me. Learn what theology is and how to study God within the Bible in course number seven of our in-depth Bible study academy. In this academically built course, you will learn the tools to study God's character and nature within a Bible passage and how to grow closer to God relationally through Bible study. This course titled Theology, Knowing God Through In-Depth Bible Study is packed with teaching lessons, homework, quizzes, and a resource list for personal study. Head to our website, coffeeandbibletime.com, to learn more about the Academy and course number seven today. Use promo code CBT Podcast, that's CBT Podcast, to get 50% off this course right now at coffeeandbibletime.com. You know, it's you having gone through that experience of growing so close to him, you know, during your health trial, I'm sure Mm -hmm. just emphasized that even more. Um, You know, many people find themselves questioning God after the loss of a loved one. I think that's just so common. Can you tell us like, um, your experience with that part of it, maybe a biblical example. And, and then I know you have a great, some great resources that you can actually help people with this. So tell us about that. Yeah. Um, as far as, um, resources, I've got just a, a free guide for, it's kind of just like a quick start to understanding grief, just, um, kind of like a 101 type of thing. So that's for free available on my website at danitajanae.com or that's hard to spell. So whenmountainscribble.com will also reroute you to there. Um, and then I also have a guide for helping people walk through grief, um, walk a friend through grief. So how to help your grieving friend or a family yes. member, um, just all kinds of practical stuff is in there. Um, ideas on how to actually navigate meals for someone or how to actually step in for someone, maybe things to say and what not to say. Just, Mm. I think we feel so helpless that sometimes we don't 
hope just because we feel hopeless. I've done that myself. Um, yes. So, yeah. So that's what that, that is supposed to come alongside you as you're trying to help someone else. So you don't feel like, I don't know what to say or do. I just don't, <laughs> you know, it's overwhelming yeah. <laughs> on the outside. It's overwhelming. Mm-hmm. So just as much as on the inside. So, mm-hmm. Do you think it's okay to question God when you've gone through this experience? Um, Tell us about, you know, kind of your, what you went through and how that made you feel. Yeah, I think it's so uh, complicated as a Christian when we come to grief, because all of a sudden we hear these verses like, um, you know, we don't we don't grieve like the world. Well, some people actually think that means we don't grieve. I'm like, no, mm-hmm. <laughs> it just means we don't grieve without hope, but we grieve. Mm-hmm. Um, so when it comes to questioning the Lord as a believer, we kind of have all these extra layers of, am I allowed to feel this way? Am I allowed to think this way? I feel livid. Is that all right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I remember a time where I was like, hearing the people around me ask God why this happened to me, but I, didn't ask him that yet. And it took me a long time. And with the day that I finally was like, why? Mm-hmm. It just was like, why, why, why? It just all came out, spilled mm-hmm. out real ugly. Mm-hmm. But it felt super important to be honest with God and finally just say it. Well, then I was like, am I allowed to say that? <laughs> Is it okay to ask God why this happened? And like, why now? And why him? And why me? And blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And, um, So I asked the Lord, you know, and what he reminded me of was Jesus on the cross who says, my God, my God, why did you forsake me? And I just, um, gosh, that moment of Jesus on the cross and all the things that happened in that brief time, the things that he chose to say are just so powerful to me. And Mm -hmm. that one in particular um, just gives us so much permission. If the son of God... Mm -hmm. God incarnate, God in the flesh self can say, I feel like you've abandoned me. Why? Mm -hmm. We certainly should have permission to do that too. And so um, I think that just gave me the freedom to um, just bring my honesty before the Lord and my questions. And that's the process of lament. And that process is, is, I think, just this healing bridge that happens for us through those times. Yes. And I think it's so important for people to understand that that's completely normal and it's okay. God can handle it. Right. (laughs) Well, losing a loved one brings a lot of sudden changes. I know I have walked through this with um, a couple really dear friends of mine who lost their husbands in their forties, you know, when they had, you know, children, they were still raising and tell us, you know, in what ways did you experience the sudden changes and experiencing grief, changing kind of your personality, even your identity? Yeah, that, um, was one of those blindsided things that you don't see coming. Um, but even just the identity of going from a very happily married to suddenly completely single um, 
that's like just hit me upside the head, right? Like that's just a sucker punch. And then um, to go from uh, a co-parent to the solo parent, the only one left. Um, And it just, all these things are huge identity shifts that happen overnight. Um, One of them was even within, since we're part of the military, it was like, well, are we even military anymore? Like, I don't know, are we civilians now? Or what are we called? As a military family, um, my my children asked, you know, is our last name the same? Like, it's that, it's that deeply core, <laughs> um, conflicting. Like, is am I still who I used to be? And yeah. the reality is, we're not. Um, so much turns upside down. So much changes. Um, so much of how we relate with other people changes because of all these identity things. But I think at the end of the day. Um, what really helped me through all those, cause it's like every situation you're in, all of a sudden it's one more level of, oh yeah, that changed too. Oh yeah, that changed mm, too. And it's just this like constant, like, oh yeah, I'm not a dependent anymore. I'm the primary, you know, all these things. And so at, at some point it's so important to allow that, to feel that, to acknowledge it. Um, but at the end of the day, like Widow is a temporary identity. Um, It is not forever. And the truth is, I am a child of God. That is an eternal identity. And so I think we don't want to dismiss all the temporary identity changes because those are humongous. Mm -hmm. Um, But when we can find our footing and our foundation in, you know, the Lord put the light of Christ in me. Like, I am his daughter um, I'm his beloved, all these different things that are eternal identities. If we can lean into those, they'll surely keep us from like completely breaking down. Like we're so tempted to do when we keep hitting these situations where they rub up against who we thought we were or who we used to be and all those things. Yeah. That's amazing because I've never thought about all those different ways in which Mm. your identity changes and you're right each one probably catches you a little bit off guard and things that we don't like to think about or want to think about when they happen well as you were going through um, the grief process what was one of the things that you would say you were most unprepared for um the physical just body slam of it. Like the day after the funeral, I remember it felt so much like I was in a car accident when I was in high school and my whole body felt that same feeling of whiplash. Like Mm. I felt like I'd literally been thrown from a truck. Mm. Um, And not only that was just the day after, but like the way that it creates this level of exhaustion for so long after, mm. um, years after, uh, just not a lot of people talk about that. And it just feels like kind of like a what's wrong with me thing. If you're not, if you don't understand that that actually happens to pretty much everybody. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the physical exhaustion, um, that was a, a shocker. Mm. <laughs> And yeah. I can imagine that just makes everything so much harder. Right. Yeah. And you just don't feel like doing what you need to do when 
to some degree, you have to allow yourself to just accept that, right? Like, yeah, it, this is this is an impact that it's had on my body, and I need to rest. Well, you talk about being very gracious and kind to yourself, you know, when grieving. What are some practical ways that our listeners can take care of themselves if they find themselves in this situation? Yeah. Um, so something that I go through in the book is walking people through how to create support networks around you, which that is huge. Um, and it's also really hard to navigate because all your relationships have kind of changed and all the dynamics have changed. So I really help people walk that through. Um in the book, but for for here, just for now, something really simple that anyone can do just right off the bat is um, create more margin. Like, don't overschedule. If you have an anniversary or a milestone or a date that's going to be um, possibly really hard, like maybe Father's Day or your wedding anniversary, um, when I see those things coming up on the calendar, I I don't schedule much on those days. If anything, I usually don't schedule anything unless it's with a friend who I know will be really merciful with me. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't schedule things on the days after those either, because um, for me, I've noticed this pattern of kind of this low level. I'll like have a little bit of anxiety leading up to a big day. I'll get through the big day. Fine. I think because so many people are praying for me. Mm. And then like in the fallout, there's this like, uh, can I call it like a hangover type feeling mm-hmm. after you get through that. And so I don't schedule stuff after those dates either. And just creating that margin has been um, a super easy way for me to be gracious with myself. And it has been so needed. So I highly recommend um, trying that out. Yeah, that's a excellent tip. <laughs> Create more margin so that you can yeah, allow yourself to to get through that event and then afterwards the, yeah. the repercussions of all the yes. emotional baggage <laughs> that's going yes. on there too. Well, you talk about um, healing from loss and, and you have some unique terms that you've put together. One of them is grief work. What do you mean by this and explain what it looks like? Yeah. Um, I just call grief work. It's just the process of doing the thing. Like you really do have to work at grief, just like you have to work at your marriage. You have to work at your prayer life. Um, it doesn't mean it has to be painful. Um, like a painful meaning, like a striving, I'm going to do this type of painful, but, um, it's, it's just acknowledging that grief is a process and it is a type of work. And, there's a reward for it. When we do the grief work, there's rewards, there's healing that comes. Um, when we avoid it, stuff it, shove it down, um, it'll come out eventually. It's just, um, it might be a little rougher on the other side. So when we when we come up into these places where, let's say we have like a trauma trigger or a memory that's super painful, I just invite people to think of those as invitations for more healing. So instead of being like, Oh, like it's another trigger. Mm-hmm. No, that is an invitation step. Take it to the Lord, bring it to prayer. As the memory is coming to you, bring it to the Lord and ask for more healing. And as that stuff continues to happen over time, it just creates this habit of um, prayer, but also it's just more and more healing. So 
it is a type of work, but it is super rewarding. Mm-hmm. And I've seen how that really impacts um, children. A friend of mine who passed away, uh, whose husband passed away young, um, I remember her son was sitting at the kitchen table when I went to visit like a day after and he pointed to his mom's Bible that was on the table and he said, that's what's getting my mom through. So he was observing, you know, her turn to the Lord and, and that is part of the grief work, right? Is just staying in, in, in tune with God and, taking it one day at a time. Well, another one of those uh, grief vocabulary words that you've come up with is a grief bomb. Tell us about that. Yes, that's when you're in the grocery store and all of a sudden there's just like it hits you out of nowhere and you find yourself just like completely blindsided. Um, It feels like a bomb went off. Like you didn't expect that. (laughs) that can of peas was going to create this reaction in you. Um, For me, the first time I really have a vivid memory of like a grief bomb where it just grief just came in out of nowhere, snuck up on me and just kind of blew everything up was I was making uh, Gideon meatballs. Like I was actually cooking, which was, you know, a big deal at that point in my life (laughs) and um, was feeling pretty big about being able to actually have the cognitive and physical abilities to cook a meal for my family. So I chose something super easy, frozen meatballs, marinara out of a can, you know, just make the pasta. But when I started plating it, um, I just like lost it, fell to the floor, was like bawling on my knees in the kitchen. And I remember thinking like, where's this coming from? Like, why is this happening right now? Like I was fine. (laughs) And, uh, then I finally realized, cause it's like my body knew before my brain caught up. And I finally realized that was the last meal that I had prepared waiting for him to come home from that mountain that day. Oh. Like, but my, it's just so crazy how our bodies can know before our brains realize it. And yeah. so that's what happened to me in that moment. And so I call it a bomb because it's like, one, where did this come from? Two, it messed everything up. And three, like I have no idea how to pick up the pieces. How do you suggest to someone if they're experiencing that, do you have some sort of tips for how to pick yourself back up? Um, I, I really just love to bring those to the Lord when it happens and I realize it's happening and I'm like, okay, this is, this is an invitation to pray it through. And um, you know, sometimes my prayer is just, just Jesus. Like sometimes all I can say is his name. Um, if I'm out in public, <laughs> I will go to the restroom, uh, if I, if I can, or, um, you know, just try to find a place where I feel more safe. And sometimes it just comes out wherever I am. Mm-hmm. Not everybody does that, <laughs> but I do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did have someone I just met recently say he had a really, really cool image where he said, when you're hap- when that happens in those situations, like let's say you're in the airport, he said, put it in a jar 
And I was like, well, I'm not going to stuff it. You know, I was being off. <laughs> he said, put it in a jar and then you can take it home and deal with it later. And I was like, that's actually really beautiful because he wasn't saying stuff it. He wasn't saying pretend it's not happening. Mm-hmm. But there is, we do have this grace and strength to be able to say, I'm going to put this on pause for now and I will deal with this at home when I can really deal with it. And um, I don't know, it's, it is a grace to be able to do that. But I thought that was a really good tip. <laughs> so I've been practicing using my jar. <laughs> oh, that yeah, that's a great tip. I've never thought of something like that. But I think, gosh, we could use that for maybe for a lot of different things. Right. <laughs> Parenting. If they, if they come up at an inconvenient time. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, one more of your vocab here for grief is a grief brain. Tell us about what that is. This one I learned from my friend, Rosalinda. She is a police force widow and she would talk about grief brain. And I was like, Lane, please. And um, she she just talked about how, for, for me, I compare it to prego brain because I had that severely. <laughs> um, and so grief brain is like, you literally maybe forgot how to spell your name. Like it can be that bad. For me, it was, I was um, swapping my letters and part of that's trauma, right? Like part of that is trauma. But with grief brain, it's like, oh, I locked my keys and my phone in the car and it's COVID and the Mm -hmm. the store was closed. (laughs) Like that happened to me. (laughs) So it's just this, um, the way she described it is your, your brain is working so hard and on so overtime trying to figure out what just happened to you. And, and try, it's trying to understand the loss, trying to understand your new, your new situation in life that like all these basic things, like literally just simple addition was, I could not do it. I couldn't remember a single number in my head. Um, Those types of things, just to know that you're not crazy, number one. And two, your brain's actually a very good brain and it's working overtime in a different area. And so you just, it's okay if you can't do two plus three right now, which I couldn't. Um, But to understand that, Number one, you're not the only person that's going through that is really helpful. Um, And just that understanding of, okay, your brain is a good one and it's working well (laughs) and and overdrive. (laughs) Yes. You know, I think giving yourself grace um, Mm -hmm. in those situations is so important. And the other thing I would just add to that is um, my father-in-law passed away um, a few months ago and just coming alongside that person who's grieving, who does have that grief brain. Um, Cause a similar thing happened where her purse got stolen and, you know, all, all of her credit cards and her driver's license. And um, it, it just, you just, everything is magnified mm-hmm. um, and just, really trying to be a support system. You mentioned having a good support system and coming around yeah. people, knowing that they're going to be having a grief brain, I think is right. important for us, those of us um, to to think about and remember so that when we do know someone who's gr- going through that, we can be prepared to yeah. help them. 
Well, one thing um, I loved that you talk about is that you use the gift of art to express yourself and it's been helpful in the healing process. Tell us about how art can be helpful. Yeah, I I uh, first discovered this phenomenon when I uh, had really crazy issues with my partner. And I had been um, like a prolific writer, writing all the time, hours every day. And then when I got pregnant, it was like, I couldn't write a single thing. And so I started drawing, I started drawing stuff. Um, and that was such a helpful thing to learn how to do. And then when I lost my husband and we kept having all these crises, um, it really is so hard to put a sentence together. Um, and so I started doodling and, uh, actually I love, I love the, the responses that I'm getting from people who are doing the doodling activities that I put inside when mountains crumble because it's allowing them to kind of process their story without the words that are so hard to find when you're grieving. Um, but they were able to articulate some things that they're like, wow. Um, it just really helped them kind of feel grounded and understand where they were at better in the process. And so I do, I love, I love using the other side of the brain, especially because with a lot of grief comes also often trauma and your left and right brain kind of literally split in half, like cortisol straight up the middle as like a wall between the two. And I think that's why I couldn't do math. <laughs> Some people, they can't use the other side. But for me, I was like, I can write and doodle, but I can't do math. So um, just offering the other side of the brain, I feel like helps kind of lace it all back together and bring some healing on a kind of unexplainable level. Absolutely. Art therapy is yeah. <laughs> incredible in, in a lot of different ways. I imagine too music, um, if yeah. maybe people are music people, that might be really helpful too. I'd like to talk a little bit about lament um, in the Bible. And can you tell us like, what, how is lament sort of defined in the Bible and how can it help people who are struggling with, with loss? Yeah, uh, we kind of touched on this in the beginning, but the way I define lament is getting honest with God about what's hard. So um, that's not a pretty process. <laughs> that's often very ugly, very gut-wrenching. Um, but just something happens when you finally get to that point where you're on your knees and you're in your closet and it feels like you're in birthing pains. Like when you're able to bring that to God, um, I can't explain how healing it is. Um, it's like it opens the door to let the comforter rush in. And that's what we need the most is his presence. And I, I just, I've always thought about that verse um, in the Proverbs and it says an honest answer is like a kiss on the lips. So I always think about like honesty equals intimacy for me is kind of what that verse means. And I feel like that's what lament is when we're honest with God. Um, it brings in this whole nother level of intimacy and healing that he can do because we're giving him access and, um, just feel like it's this ancient practice that we have 
forgotten in contemporary culture, forgotten how to do. Most believers have to Google up what is lament because we just don't talk about it much in church. Um, when I was out of college, I had a church that did teach me about it. They taught us how to write our own psalms of lament. They gave us permission to enter into it. And so um, I try to do the same, you know, carry that on because it was such a gift to me to learn that. And um, I try to carry that on through the book, just walking people practically. Okay, how do you actually do this? Yes. Because it can feel, it's like prayer. When you first get started, it's like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, it's yeah. just, it's just the honesty. Yeah, that's what I really love about your book is mm-hmm. that it just it has the practical aspect of like, okay, because it's one thing to like read, like learn about it, but then to actually apply it and really start to 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 dig in and allow the healing and do these things that you suggest. And the Psalms are great examples of lament and, and they were just so authentic and they were honest with God. And and I love kind of like what you just said, like at the end of many Psalms, by the end, the psalmist has kind of turned things back around and is ending up praising God because yeah. he because it does have that kind of healing therapeutic uh, way to it. Yeah. In his sermon on the mount, Jesus said, "Blessed are those who mourn." But it really doesn't always feel like a blessing, does it? What do you think Jesus meant when he said that? Yeah. Um, so I learned something cool that mourning is different than greeting. And I always just thought that meant the same thing. Like I kind of use them as synonyms, right? But mourning is the public process of grieving. So it's when people wear the band on their arm in memory of someone, when they're on a run or a marathon. It's um, in Victorian times when household was grieving, they would mourn publicly by putting like a black wreath on the front door or they would all dress in black. Like these were just visual ways of telling other people in their community, hey, we're a household that's grieving, like be extra kind to us. Um, And so it's interesting because like nowadays, I think we see it in public public ways, like a Facebook post, like, hey, my grandma, or hey, this is what this is the person I just lost and loved. That is a way of mourning because it's grieving externally and it kind of it's kind of an invitation to let the community come in and say, you know, rally around you. Um, so there is blessing in that because we have a choice to say, uh, nope, <laughs> thank you. I'll do this alone in my closet by myself, and I don't I don't need you or want you or need anyone around. And that's fine. There's a time for that. But if that's your entire process, you really are missing out on a huge blessing of, yes, it's a risk because people do say stupid things. <laughs> yes, it's a risk because some people can be very hurtful. But in general, the, the risk, the benefits outweigh the risk of, of being hurt. Because there, there can be so much healing when you allow someone else to step into that place. Yeah. What what advice do you have that we can best support someone if we do see, let's say, that Facebook post? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I, I just, I really appreciate when people offer their presence. Um, I really appreciate when people don't say, well, you must be feeling dot, dot, dot. Um, I, I think when, when we, when we start to catch ourselves saying, oh, you must feel, it's just really good to pause and be like, actually, sorry, I said that. Like, I have no idea how you feel. How do you feel? You know, it's okay to ask questions of grieving people. I think we're very scared to ask grieving people questions. Um, but I think it's super important. And that's why questions is such a, it's just foundational through the whole when mountains crumble book, because I felt like I had such a need for people to ask me intelligent questions and help me process, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and there was such a fear around asking me questions. I don't know. (laughs) I mean, I'm sure there's lots of reasons why, but instead of assuming or, or making statements like, oh, this must be the worst day, you know, oh, you know, actually I was having a good day, but should oh. I be having a bad day now? You know, oh, no. um, I was actually getting through this milestone pretty well, but now I'm like, second, you know, there's all yeah. these things that happen in your brain. So when we, when we just offer, Hey, I love you. I'm thinking about you just writing out the prayers writing them down or texting them like actually the prayer, not just, I'm just praying for you. Just those types of practical things are so beautiful and just help people feel seen. Great, great suggestions there. Do you have any um, special things that you do to celebrate um, or remember Dan maybe can help someone. Yeah, we, um, we we have a tricky situation in our household because everyone grieves different, right? And so some of us need to talk about Dan all the time and some of us can't handle it. It's too hard. It's too, it's too much. Um, So we try to honor (laughs) both and it's, it's, it's tricky to navigate. Um, I say that because I feel like um, it's just really important to acknowledge that in a household, everybody is going to need something different. Yes. In our story, um, one of the ways that we've been able to celebrate my husband and it feel life-giving for all of us was uh, on his birthday, we like to get out a bunch of ice cream and a bunch of Reese's peanut butter cups because those were his favorite. And what we would do for his birthday was always something peanut butter and chocolate. And um, we, we, we would like watch one of his favorite movies and just have ice cream and his favorite dessert. And uh, that felt really good for all of us. It just felt like, uh, Oh, this is what daddy loved. And um, we kind of get to share in that sometimes, but man, I'm a sentimental person and I love to talk about him. And so there's all these things that I have wanted to do that I've known Actually, my kid, my kiddo isn't ready for that one yet. So we'll yeah. see. Yeah. Well, that was actually going to be my my last question here before we sort mm-hmm. of start to close out. And that was just any tips for parents who have children too. I think one thing that you said, right, everybody grieves differently. And just as a mom, you need to recognize that, right? What else? Something that's been big for me is being able to lean into God as their father. Um, 
I've had a few people tell me, well, you know, you're the mom and the dad now. And I'm like, no, I'm not. (laughs) I'm not. There's no way I could fill his shoes. There's no way I could pretend to do what he did. I have to take on some of his roles. Like I have to figure out, you know, bills and all the things. Um, But there's no way I'm the father now. Um, So for me to be able to just put that boundary up and be like, nope, I don't. I mean, I don't have to say that out loud when they tell me that. I just think, you know, but for other people who are hearing this, well, you're both now. Um, Just the freedom to say, you know, God is the father of the fatherless. He is who he says he is. And Lord, like, I desperately need you to help me get these kids up and out the door today. Like, I desperately need you to help me. I'm just constantly in prayer. Um, (laughs) Constantly just like... I need your help in this situation, Father. Your ever-present help in time of need. I need you to help me raise these kids. I need wisdom. I need discernment. Um, and just asking him all the time to, to take on that role that he promises he'll fill. And uh, that's been that's been the best thing I could suggest for anyone to do. I'm sure there's lots of other great ideas out there. But for me, that just comes down to... It takes the massive pressure that I feel. It takes a large part of it off. And um, it just allows him to be who he says he is, which is really the best place to be in our lives. So I would just say to remember remember who he is and hold him to it. And, and he loves it. And he comes through. And he really is faithful. Mm. I love that. Any last thoughts of encouragement that you would like to give to any of our listeners who are grieving right now? Um, just hang on. <laughs> just hang in there. I think we just want to just give up or run away or, you know, figure out a way to check out. Um, and just, just keep hanging in there. He's, God is really, he really is your ever-present help in time of need. He really is. And um, he doesn't run away from us when we're in our distress. And he really is near to the brokenhearted. And I just think when we when we can believe that in faith, even if we don't feel like he's near, when we can believe that in faith, it really, it will help you get through, will help you. Yeah. Thank you for those um, encouraging words. Would you be willing to pray for them now? Yeah. Yeah. I'd be honored. That'd be great. God, we thank you that you are who you say you are. We thank you that you are defender of the widows. We thank you that you are father of the fatherless. Um, We thank you that you are ever present help in time of need. God, we thank you that you draw near to the brokenhearted. You don't avoid us. You don't run away from us. Um, You draw near. And we just want to invite you now, Holy Spirit, to come and draw near. Draw even closer than we've known you before. Um, I pray that you will strengthen each listener who is maybe feeling afraid of stepping into a place of lament who's maybe afraid to tell you how they really feel. 
God, I pray for a grace over them and a strengthening over them that they will be able to be secure in who you are um, enough to be honest before you. And I thank you that you will just rush in and bring so much healing when they do, when they invite you into those places that are just the ugliest, when they invite you into those places that are the hardest. Um, I thank you that you come gently, that you are you bring peace and you bring joy even. God, we thank you that you promise that sorrow and sighing will flee away and joy and gladness will overtake us. And so I thank you that there's a season for grief and I thank you that it's not forever. And so I just pray that you'll instill that hope into each listener right now. Um, give them the resources that they need, the wisdom they need, the strength they need, and extra, extra grace. We love you, Lord. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. You know, one of the things that you said, you know, there could be someone listening to this podcast who maybe only prays before you eat a meal or maybe in the morning or just at night. And one thing that you said that just that you can pray anytime, all day long. God hears through your what you're saying through your mind, even if it's not verbalized. And so... I love how you sort of have woven that in and it's really been an important part of your healing process. Well, you mentioned at the beginning, why don't you say one more time, how can listeners um, find more information about you and your book and your other resources? Yeah. If they want to go to my website, Danita Janae, it's D-A-N-I-T-A-J, E as an elephant, N as in November, A-E. Dot com. <laughs> it's so it's so hard. Uh, or when on scrumble.com. If they want to go there, I have those free resources we've mentioned in the beginning. Um, just kind of a quick start to grieving, um, just kind of a, a find your footing, and then also uh, resources for how to help a grieving friend through this. Those are those are just been really powerful for people. So definitely, definitely sign up there and get those free gifts. Um, it will be helpful. Thank you so much, uh, Danita, for sharing, being willing to share your story and being so authentic with us. Before we go, I want to ask you some of our favorite Bible study tool sure. questions so people can maybe glean how you do things. Mm -hmm. What Bible is your go-to Bible and what translation is it? So I I have a pre-husband dying and a post-husband dying favorite Bible. My pre-husband dying favorite Bible is an ESV, and it's the one he gave me on our wedding day, and it's like Aww. so threadbare. And I would I would always bring it like everywhere. Aww. I just love this thing. Um, this is a treasure. But I, when he died, and I was struggling to read, um. The Hero Squad from American Bible Society sent me this Bible that it looks like the kind that are in the back of a pew, like, in my, um, but it's a CEV, so it's contemporary English version. And I just felt like, oh, like 
for some reason, it was so hard for me to read different translations after Dan died. But when I found that one, I was like, oh, like this one's healthy. I can do this one right now. Um, so I've really been loving that one in recent years. And that's something I always love to suggest is if you're struggling with just the brain is just, it's just so hard when you're grieving to do simple things. Um just try a different translation. Sometimes there can be a lot of freedom in just reading it in a fresh way. So, Oh, that's a great suggestion. Do you have any favorite journaling supplies or anything that you like to use to enhance your Bible study experience? I am old school. I love to have a pen. <laughs> a pen and a journal uh, to write down if I just feel like I had got some insight, but that's really it. I love to just, just I'll underline with a pen or um, that's really it. (laughs) I'm not fancy. Yeah. No worries. (laughs) How about lastly, what's your favorite app or website for Bible study tools? I love Bible gateway. I'm always on there because uh, sometimes I'll end up memorizing a verse just because I pray it over and over or I'll I'll just study it for so long that it'll just become part of my thoughts, my memory, but I'll never remember where it is. And so I'll use Google to help me find the verse. (laughs) I'll be like, I know these are the words in it. Google will tell me where it is. And then I'll use Bible Gateway to look up the actual verse because they can line up all these different translations on your screen in one place. And I love looking at it through different translations because it'll just sometimes unlock something that I'm like, whoa, that's so cool. Or it'll just really highlight something that I didn't see in one translation. But when I see it as a theme through all these, like I'll put up five or six translations on the screen and I'll just like kind of devour them. But I like to print those off and then like color them and then paint a picture that I see. Yeah, so I'll see like a... I don't know, some kind of an imagery that will help me remember the verse and then I'll paint it or draw it. And that's been really super fun. Oh, that is just, you're you're speaking our language over ah. here. <laughs> we, we love doing art. Just, that's an incredible way to, yeah, sort of really cement in yeah. what you're learning and feeling. Well, Danita, thank you so much for being here today to share your journey with us and offering to come alongside those who are feeling alone during their time of mourning the loss of a loved one through your book. So we just would like to encourage anyone who's hearing this today to make sure that you get this very helpful resource We will have a link to Danita's book, When Mountains Crumble, in our show notes. So thank you, Danita, so much. Yeah, thank you. Thanks so much. Lastly, head over to the Coffee and Bible Time website for our prayer journals that will help guide and document your prayer life at coffeeandbibletime.com. Thank you for joining us on our podcast today. We love you all. Have a blessed day.